0: Welcome to the West Cheltenham Podcast. We want to see communities and places buzzing with the extraordinary presence of Jesus. Join us live on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30am. We really hope you enjoy this message. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts Be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So Remembrance Sunday, but we're continuing our series on the Beatitudes. Fortuitously, it's one of those little God incidences. It happens to be, blessed are the peacemakers. Doesn't that fit well? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I wonder how the first listeners would have received Jesus' message. It's that amazing sermon on the Mount of Olives. Challenging preconceived ideas and overturning the accepted societal norms. I suspect there might have been a bit of ridicule, a bit of unrest, a bit of wonderment, and maybe just some superficial, oh, that's nice, I couldn't help but watch again the Life of Brian clip. Blessed are the cheesemakers. I felt I couldn't not refer to that in the sermon. But blessed are the peacemakers. What would the first hearers have made of that? What would they have imagined Jesus meant? Jerusalem and Judea were certainly familiar with strife and conflict, Jesus ministered and spoke into an occupied territory, Roman overlords. Many of his audience at that sermon might have hoped that Jesus was here to bring peace by military conquest, that he would defeat the Romans and drive them out and set up a new kingdom. But that's not the sort of peace that Jesus was talking about. He gives peace not as the world gives. For this chapter of the Beatitudes project, which is the resource we've been using in our hubs over this last term, the backdrop for this, blessed are the peacemakers, is the current conflict in Israel and occupied Palestine, commenting on the irony of such unrest and violence in the homeland of the Prince of Peace. I think it's been particularly poignant that in recent weeks, with the escalation of violence and then, a couple of weeks ago, the election of the far-right coalition government in Israel, who seemed to incite more hatred and distrust and injustice and the consequent violence. Stu G, the ex-delirious band member, who masterminded the Beatitudes project and narrates the films, he visited the Holy Land and he met groups who were working towards peace including a group of women from both sides who had lost children in the conflict and they didn't want more lives taken in the name of their children. And so together they were working to make peace. Stu speaks of witnessing Israel's security walls that infringe the Palestinian territories and makes the point that the peacemaker walks around the security wall beyond the safety, and enters the contested space. The peacemaker needs to be brave, to take risks, to be prepared to enter the space where the bullets fly. It may be potentially dangerous. Ewan and I had the privilege of visiting the Holy Land in 2016. It was a trip that was organised by CMS and led by a Palestinian Christian. We gained really valuable insight into the troubles and the injustices, which are the daily experience of many who live in that contested space. We met people and heard stories. Both sides have narratives, as in any conflict, that usually make them feel the victim, that induce fear and suspicion. Narratives lead to stereotypes, which sadly are reinforced by the media. Stereotypes that dehumanize and demonize the other. So people hate by hearsay. While we were there, we had a wonderful opportunity to meet some amazing people of peace, Peace peacemakers, people who, because of their faith in Christ, were determined to do things differently, looking for an alternative to fight or flight which is often the human response. In that reading we heard, I chose it actually f- at least a week before I prepared my sermon, and I, there's a couple of parts that just really spoke into what I'd uh, prepared for blessed other spe- peacemakers. And this is one of them, that Jesus does things differently. He doesn't fight or flee away when confronted with this conflict between the crowds and the woman caught in adultery. He does things differently. There's a particular charity that we spent some time with called Masalaha. It's Arabic for reconciliation. And it's a group that take Jesus' manifesto message of blessed are the peacemakers to heart. They say you can't escape the issues that divide, but maintain that truth and justice are unavailable outside of reconciliation. Enemies need to come together because they disagree, before you can begin to resolve the issues. They run a desert experience, in which they bring groups of young people um, from Israel and Palestine, Christian, Jew, Muslim young people. They also did it with groups of adults. They bring them together and they take them out to the desert for a week. It upturns the power dynamic because each of them is facing vulnerability And they become dependent on the other. Most importantly, they get to put a face to the enemy as they hear each other's stories and get an understanding of where they're coming from. Seeing the face of the enemy is really the only way to begin to love your enemy, as Jesus commanded. In that reading, Jesus sees differently. He saw the woman differently to how the crowd saw her. He saw the crowd differently to how the woman saw them. If we put a human face to the enemy, it changes the way we interact with them. We find we have to choose a different way. The work of Masalha, I found really inspiring. It's work that we now support in our family it's all very well, you might say. Interesting, maybe, but it's, it's so far away, isn't it? We're not there facing that daily experience. And even if you look on the news, you have to go searching to find about what's going on there. It's never the headlines. And it feels like such situations don't really touch us, feel detached, and it's hard to imagine what it's like. So how can we realistically contribute to making peace in such places? with such complicated political and religious histories. We can support financially those sorts of charities that are seeking peace. We can become aware of the situation, understand and familiarise ourselves with the issues so that we can raise awareness with others and bring political pressure to bear. And there are plenty of organisations that do that that we can support. And we can pray. And I don't mean just to tack that on the end as a last resort, It's a significant, important contribution. Prayer makes a difference. Think of similar situations in the world in our lifetime um, where Christians have been at the forefront of movements and maintaining a background of prayer. I think of the end of apartheid in South Africa, with Desmond Tutu being at the forefront of that. The collapse of communism, symbolized by the Berlin Wall coming down. You may feel your own prayers are pathetic, just a a drop in an ocean. But I'm minded of those verses in Revelation. There's the angel with the the golden censer filled with incense and the prayers of the saints. And God commands the angel to throw the censer down on the earth. And there is thunder and lightning and earthquakes and all sorts. And I get the sense that The prayers of the saints are being collected, and at the right moment, with the critical mass of prayers that have been collected, God is then throwing them down and making a difference on this earth. It may sometimes feel that we have to wait a long time, but we should keep on praying for peace. What about closer to home, though? where we can have a bit more of a practical impact. Blessed are the peacemakers. What does that look like where you are? Notice Jesus doesn't say blessed are the peace wishers or the peace lovers or the peace talkers, or even the peaceful, though I reckon they're quite blessed to be peaceful. Peacemaker. It's a word bursting with energy. It mandates action and initiative. Peace must be made. It doesn't happen by chance. A peacemaker is not passive, they take the initiative. Being a peacemaker is not avoidance of strife or appeasement of parties or even accommodation of issues. For those of you that are into the Enneagram, and I know there's a few here, you may think of the type 9, they're called the peacemaker. Sometimes I've been described as a type 9, I'm not entirely sure what I am, I'm sometimes two or three different types. But I thought I liked being a peacemaker until I read the description of what the peacemaker is. The peacemaker of the type 9 doesn't like conflict, so they avoid it. They don't make peace. I think they should be renamed the peace lovers, maybe, rather than peacemakers. The person who glosses over the problems, acting as if everything's all right when it's not, denying that a problem exists to begin with, or appeasing the bully, is not a peacemaker. Such passive tactics may delay excessive strife for a time, but they also cause unresolved issues to grow and resentment to take root. To be a peacemaker means to take the initiative in addressing conflict, Entering the contested space, bringing enemies face-to-face. Peacemakers are agents of disruption, I read on one commentator's uh, site, to disrupt the cycles of revenge, violence and hatred. Being prepared to disrupt peace for the sake of real deep peace. Peacemaking is not always pleasant. It can be messy and heart-wrenching work. It takes time and emotional energy. Peacemaking costs us. So what does it mean for us, you and me, here and now? Where are we called to be peacemakers? Where is there conflict or strife? Maybe at work. Maybe at school. Maybe in your street or in the wider community. Perhaps in the church or within your own family. A recent example for me is uh, Springbank Community Resource Centre. There's um, been some antisocial behaviour there, which I witnessed a couple of weeks ago on a Tuesday. and It's been escalating for a while. Groups of youth are causing damage to the buildings, intimidating and threatening those who are coming along to work or to use the building. Um, and we had a meeting planned for last, last week, last Thursday, at the resource centre with the police, community leaders, some youth workers and counsellors trying to resolve the issues. The Tuesday that I witnessed the behaviour, um, it was Thy Kingdom Come in the evening, the, the sort of fortnightly prayer meeting we have at St Barnabas um, for the parish. Um, and I described what had happened there, and we prayed about it. And the next day I thought I'm going to enter the contested space, uh, meet my enemy face-to-face, um, So I went along to the centre and inquired, how how have things been? Oh, it's been very quiet today. When I got to the meeting the following Thursday, uh, it turns out there'd been nine days of quietness and no reoccurrence of the the situation. Hmm, impact of prayer, maybe? At the meeting itself, it would have been easy to demonise the young people but there was a will to de-escalate the problem by building relationships, investing in detached youth work, encouraging respect and a sense of ownership, excuse me, of the building. This for me is the moment where, at the moment is where God is calling me to be a pacemaker, entering the space, putting a face to the enemy, building relationships and developing understanding and praying, but what about you? In what situations, in what relationships might God be calling you to be a peacemaker? It may be between two parties who are at loggerheads. It may be between yourself and someone else. A few paragraphs after the Beatitudes, in the same chapter, Jesus says of the need to be reconciled with our brother or sister before we offer our Our worship to God and in such situations we may need to take that first humble step enter the contested space and see our enemy differently and then once peace is made for us to actively and deliberately live to maintain peace Paul says in his letter to the Romans if possible so far as it depends on you live at peace with each other So in a community, it's about not taking offense easily, not bearing grudges, being quick to forgive each other, confronting issues rather than sweeping them under the carpet. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. When we promote or make peace, when we bring reconciliation between others, that's when we most demonstrate the likeness of Christ when we bear the family resemblance of our Heavenly Father. Peacemakers reflect the divine character in their actions, for peacemaking is a divine action. God is the author of peace, and Jesus is the supreme peacemaker. At the Incarnation, the angels declared, Peace on earth! Christ entered our world, the contested space. He met people in their mess. He saw them and put a face to them. And ultimately, he died for them to bring peace with God. In Colossians, Paul says that through Christ, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. One commentator says, what does it look like when God comes face to face with the violence of humanity? He submits to it on the cross He humbles himself. It reminded me of that beautiful hymn in Philippians, chapter 2, where it talks about Christ being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Christ is self-giving for the sake of others, And we're called to emulate him and his attitude. Paul says, be of like mind. We need to pour out ourselves for the sake of others. Freely give the love and mercy that we have received. Take the risk, enter the contested space, and see differently. One more element of being a peacemaker. It's not only reconciling people with each other, or making peace ourselves with others, with our personal enemies, but it's about reconciling humans to God. Paul, in his second letter to the, to the Corinthians, says God has called us to be Christ's ambassadors and given us the ministry of reconciliation. It entails spreading the gospel news that all people can have a restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ. God has done the work of reconciliation, He's taken the initiative but he calls us to cooperate with him to bring people into that peace. He wants to partner with us in mission and evangelism, spreading the word so that others will turn and follow him and know his peace for themselves. And finally, just to refer back to the Beatitudes Project, um, they listen to a Palestinian farmer who is daily threatened by the encroaching Israeli settlers. And he says... You can't offer the gift of peace if you don't know peace yourself. I've spoken of that piece before. I've spoken about Shalom. You can catch it. I think it's still a recording online if you'd like to listen to that again. We need to know the peace of God in our hearts if we are to be a peacemaker. And so may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, be upon you and fill you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, head to weschout.org.uk or search weschout across social media. We love you. We can't wait to see you again.